So we are at the end of our, um, our uh, study in James as far as looking at faith works. And normally what happens is that we have like four or five or maybe seven different verses. But today we get half of um, chapter four and all of chapter five. And so, and I still have 25 minutes to do all that. So I would like to say um, that I'm just hitting the high points. You may have questions about what I have to say. I will not be able to go over everything. But the good news is that there are people at your table that may have some of the answers um, with these things. And that we at Second City are a community where it's okay to ask questions. It doesn't matter if you are an old guy like me who... um, who has been a Christian for a long time, or maybe you're young in your faith, that it's okay for us to discuss things and say where we are and how we're growing or the difficulties we're having with our walk with the Lord as well. Now, I've heard one Christian say before that he's thankful that James is only five chapters long. And I don't know if you like that, like you feel like that Christian or not, um, because James has been challenging Um, I don't know if you have personally been challenged or not, but there's a lot of stuff that James says that's right in our face, um, that it can turn our world upside down. But it's okay, because what happens is that in life that we need um, the truth to come in and to share areas where we are not living the best that we can for God. So... um, And this bit that we're going to be looking at today is that we're going to be looking at seven characteristics of um, persevering faith and faith that endures. Um, Once again, just to remind you, we will have discussion afterwards. Um, And so um, maybe you could like take notes or pay attention somehow so you can actually discuss what we're talking about. Okay, so the first point that I want to bring up is that um, that. Um, in this seven characteristics of faith that endures is that we need to be humble before the sovereignty of God. So what happens here is that James continue. He's already talked about the tongue before. He's going to continue talking about the tongue here in the idea of boasting. Now imagine for a second, and this is what James is doing, is giving us an illustration, that there's a group of businessmen and women, and they're sitting around a conference table, and that they are making plans for their commercial enterprises, and that they are so sure of themselves that they are speaking without restraint that they are saying what they are going to do, how they're going to make a profit, where they're going to do, and what they're actually going to do. Now, at first you may think, well, that's no big deal. That's just how businessmen and women are. And oftentimes that is how businessmen and women are. But we need to know is this, is looking at this first passage, is that God is a God that's actually in control. That oftentimes we try to control our lives, but we are not in control. But these businessmen and women are actually not believers, but they are trying to um, get their life and talk about their life in such a way that they think they actually have, um, have control of their life. For us as Christians, that we need to know that this is a warning, um, that sometimes we can become so consumed in the material realm. People all around us, all around the world, are talking about plans. They're talking about strategies to work and to make more money. Um, Jesse J would say it's all about the money. It's not about the money, money, money. But you know what? That song is about the money because she's making lots of money by singing it's not all about the money. 
it's really easy for us to get distracted because we're in the world, we're affected by the world, but we're supposed to be living differently. So James is saying, don't let these businessmen and women to distract you. That you need to know that God is the one that's in control. I don't know about you, but sometimes I can plan for my day. I'm going to do this and this, and I've got to accomplish this, this, and this, and I've got this meeting and this meeting, but I leave Jesus out of the equation. You know, God, I've got so much stuff to do today. I just don't have time to spend with you. Maybe I'll check up in the morning. Maybe have a devotion as I'm running and doing my errands and everything else. But the question I have for you as well as for me is, are we keeping Jesus in the equation? Now, looking at this passage um, um, of Scripture, I'm not going to be reading through it and everything else. There's just five things that the people are talking about, that they're certain about their future. They're certain about different times. They're certain about different places. They're certain about different activities. And they think if they do all this, then they will get their desired results. Well, I've been around this old earth long enough. Sometimes you can work really hard, and you don't get what you want. Sometimes you can pray really hard, you don't get what you want. But the thing is, is in the midst of that, you're not alone. That God is in control. He lets circumstances happen. But the question is how to reflect back to give him glory as well. This kind of reflects back to Luke chapter 12. Jesus gives a, um, a, um, a parable where he's talking about this guy who has so much, what he's going to do, he's going to tear down all his old barns and build new barns because he has so much. And Jesus calls this man foolish because he doesn't know when his life is up. Because it says that very night, your life will be demanded. There's a guy on the stage, his name is John MacArthur, and he says this, life is far from simple. It's a complex matrix of forces, people, contingencies, and circumstances over which we have no control. Despite that, some people foolishly imagine that they are in charge of their own lives. We need to know that there is a God who's personal, but we cannot always control things. But there is a God who does interact and in, in move in our lives. And this verse right here, 14, excuse me, in 15, it talks about that our lives um, are like vapor, um, that it's very sudden, suddenly here and suddenly away as well. The other thing I just want to point out in this bit of the scripture here, it talks about if the Lord wills. Now, there are certain beliefs within Christian faith, but also in beliefs in other religions. That's the whole idea that's like a, a passive fatalism. If the Lord wills, it'll happen. Um, the idea here is that we are not to sit back. Nowhere in James does it talk about just to sit back and just let life pass you by. It talks about faith without works is dead. So we need to be working for God, that we need to be active for him, knowing that he's in control, but at the same time, as we, there's certain things in Scripture that he says we're supposed to be about. We're supposed to be lives that are distinctly different than those around us. We're supposed to be worshiping him. We're supposed to be talking to him. We're supposed to be going and presenting um, things to him like his children and asking for things. We are to be telling others about Jesus and the difference he makes. So don't be passive in your faith. So what does this look like in a very practical way? Well, as some of you know, I'm, I work, do chaplaincy at the Queen Elizabeth Hospital. And it's easier, I know, for me, so this is an illustration and it's not your life, is when I go, I know there's certain things I have to do. But what I'm doing is this. I acknowledge, God, you are at work around me. 
I want to see where you are working. Show me. Now I go up to the fourth floor, 410. That's my ward. It's a trauma ward. So the easy way is just to go straight there, take the lift up, and walk right straight there. But I don't do that because I don't know who I'm supposed to talk to. Now, I know there's people in the ward, but maybe there's other people. So what happens is that I take different ways to the ward, and you know what? It's interesting how many times that just I just happen to fall into a conversation or meet someone else, or I was going this one way, and I, um, I go to a Niffield gym, and I met one of the doctors there, and I was like, okay, I'll see you at the QE, and he's like, all right, all right. there's no way, because he's actually in, um, he, he's in theater. Where I was walking a different way and didn't know I was by the theaters, and he came out, and we had a discussion. Or I went by a well-being um, center, which is for the staff, and a nurse came in who was a Christian but didn't know how to share with the non-Christians around her what was happening in her life. I don't know what it's like for you, but it's one of those things, be active in pursuing God, knowing that God is in control. You know what? Let's go ahead and go to the second one. Second one is going to be looking at just in verse um, four, uh, chapter 4 and verse 17. and talks about being obedient to the will of God. Now, Rachel um, joked that she was going to read from the message. I'm actually reading from a translation, J.B. Phillips' translation, and it says on this verse, No doubt you agree with the above in theory. Well, remember that if a man knows what is right and fails to do it, his failure is a real sin. And I just want to throw that out there for you women. It's the same thing. So women or men, if you know what's right and you fail to do it, it is actually sin. So in this time right here is that we often, it talks about sins of commission and sins of omission. Now, sins of commission is whenever, example, you often think of the Ten Commandments. It says, do not lie. Therefore, to obey God, I'm not going to lie. Or it says, don't covet. Therefore, I'm not going to covet. And sometimes we think about that's all that God is calling us to. But God is calling us to lives that mirror reflect who he is. So we also have to be aware of sins of commission. And that's whenever we, God says to do something, we also need to do it. So examples that we've already looked at before in James is a sin of commission would be don't show favoritism. Okay, I'm not gonna show favoritism. But then again, it says the sin of omission is to care for the poor. It's a lot easier for us not to do those big things, such as knowing not what to do, but it's difficult sometimes to put our faith into action. I don't know where you are in your walk with Christ. I don't know how well it is for you to put your faith in action. You may say, oh, those extroverts, oh, those people who are from Texas or all whoever it is, you know, um, they can do it, but it's, it's more difficult for me. But the thing is, God's calling every one of you. He knows who you are, how all the mistakes that you've made, all the times you let people down, all the times you let yourself down, all the times you let God down, and he still loves you. So let me encourage you that we are to live lives um, being obedient to God, that when he tells us to do something, even if it's difficult to do it, if you look at the end of Matthew chapter 25, it talks about a bunch of people who's going to hell, which no one wants to talk about hell. But they're going not because of what they did, but because of what they didn't do. 
that they didn't feed the hungry, they didn't clothe the naked. You see, they failed to do what God commanded. So it's not the reason, the reason that we go to heaven is because of Jesus' death and his resurrection. It's nothing that I've done. It's him dying for all the bad things that I have done. And I've said, okay, I recognize it's not my own works. It's Jesus Christ, it's God sending Jesus, and it's his death that provides that. But when we surrender our lives to God, it's just not for fire insurance, some people have said before, but there should be a change that motivates me to want to follow and live lives that are distinctively different than before. So, you know what? No more time. Let's go on. C. Um, I said there's seven, and I don't know why. I have A, B, C, and D. So C, which is three. Um, confident in the justice of God. And we're starting chapter five, in case you wonder where we are. Once again, the red Bibles are available. Sometimes the verses will be up here as well. So you can look for yourself just in case you think I'm lying. Okay, so what happens here is that chapter 5 is probably the sternest warning in the New Testament we have for people who are rich. And the thoughts are aligned just right there when it says in Matthew chapter 19, 24, where it says Jesus says it's easier for the rich man to, um, it's harder for a rich man to get to heaven than a camel to get through an eye of a needle. Um, this passage of scripture right here with the warnings is very familiar with Old Testament prophets such as Amos, Obadiah, Hosea, uh, Micah, Joel, and Habakkuk, um, or for you um, Americans, um, Habakkuk um, as well. That what happens is that all those people condemn the rich people because what happens is that the rich people, it's not all rich people, but these specific rich people are saying that their God is money and not worshiping God. So what happens is that these six verses right here are actually aimed at non-Christians because he doesn't address them as brothers or sisters or anything else. Um, and it's very reminiscent, as I said before, as um, prophets who are calling out um, the people um, and pronouncing judgment on the pagan um, nations here. Um, that This right here... Um, so there's four accusations that we're going to look at right here. First of all, the first accusation that's being said is, um, and I'm going through this because that you may have a problem with one of these. Just because you don't have a lot of money doesn't mean that money doesn't become an idol, that things don't become an idol. The one thing that you can know about someone is even when someone doesn't have a lot of money is what do they do with it? So are they willing, even when you don't have a lot of money, to give money to the church and to the cause of the gospel? Or do we say, you know what, when I get enough money, then I'll do it. But the thing is, it's a heart thing, it's a heart issue when you have money or not a lot of money. So one thing is that here in verses 2 and 3 is that they are hoarding well. So what happens is that these non-Christians, non-followers of God, is that they are storing away their wealth and their possessions um, in that um, they're not, um, yeah, they're storing it away, but they don't know, as far as it kind of goes back to that parable I talked about before, is that they don't know when, they're, when that they will die whatsoever. Um, Matthew 6 says that we should store our treasures in heaven where moths and vermin um, don't destroy and that thieves don't break in. I guess a reflective question is this. Are we storing treasures up in heaven? Do we have an eternal thought 
or are we more just thinking about the here and now? Um, something else that James talks about is that the people are committing fraud. Um, so basically what happens is that they said they're going to do something and that they are um, systematically holding back wages. So the people are day workers. They're living from wage to wage to wage. They work, and then the landowner said, you know what, we'll pay you in the future, not right now. Um, the next claim here is that the workers, uh, not the workers, the landowners, are living in self-indulgence. In other words, they are only cared about themselves. The imagery is that they're a bunch of uh, cattle who are eating all of the grass there, and they don't know that they're on their way to market, as we would say um, on Sheila's family farm, that they, because um, it's a cattle farm, Sheila was raised on, and so the cattle don't know that they're eating away, and next thing you know, we're putting them in a chute and taking them on to the... Uh, well, to other places. Um, <laughs> soon to be to McDonald's. So what happens is this, is that, that the, the people can be, think that everything's fine and they're just working on their indulging themselves and don't realize that um, their end is soon. And the last here is that they are um, that they're committing injustice. Um, in the Jewish world, the mindset is this. If you deprive someone of the support that they need for as like food support, is the same thing as murdering them. So why did I bring this up real quick? What good is this? Well, what happens is that God, that, um, that James is saying that these people here will be held accountable. Um, and you need to know that too, that God knows what situation you're in and that he will hold those around you and the injustices around you accountable as well. Okay, let's go ahead and go to the next one. So this is number four. We've got seven. Let's see if we can do this quickly here. So next, what we're looking at is patient in suffering. Um, when it talks about suffering here, um, we are giving um, three examples. Um, the first example, as far as how being patient and long-suffering, is the farmer. That the farmer is waiting for the harvest. So an interesting thing here is, I actually didn't know this until I did some research, is it talks about early rains and late rains. What happens is that the early rains in Palestine um, is October, November, and you need those in order to be able to plant. If you don't have it, the ground's too hard. And then after you plant is that you have late rains, which is in April to May, and that's during the warmer weather. And the more rain you have then is the better the crops you actually have. And so this illustration here basically is that the farmer is reminded that they have to trust in God and that we are trusting in God as well. You know what? I can't control my circumstances, but you can control your attitude. There are people that you just don't like maybe and that just don't like you, that you can get triggered just by looking at them. I'm told. I mean, that doesn't have to be personally, but I have some friends that does happen to, okay? But you can go in before you actually see that person that you're triggered by or their actions or what they're going to do. You know they're going to do the same thing every single time. I mean, and if they really loved or cared about people, that they wouldn't do that. Now, would they? So what happens is, as you're feeling that frustration, you can go ahead before you get into the circumstance say, you know what, I know it's going to happen. I'm not going to let them trigger me because no matter what they say, I can control um, my emotions and I can control my attitude. 
I can't control the circumstances, but you can't control the attitude. It's not easy, I'm told, but it is um, something you can do. Second illustration right here is like a prophet speaking the truth. Um, the, prophets, uh, the prophet reminds us that patience does not mean inactivity. In the midst of persecution, that they were bold and speaking out. Um, and that they were often suffered, and, but in their suffering they endured. So Elijah was hounded and hated. Jeremiah was thrown into a cistern, which is an empty well with a threat of starvation. Amos was falsely accused of uh, raising a conspiracy until, you know what, just go back to where you're from. You're not welcome or wanted here. But let me just remind you from Matthew chapter 5, I think it is. It says, blessed are those who insult you persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who, um, who were before you. Our last example here that we have as far as whenever, um, whenever we're suffering is, is Job. The interesting thing about Job is it took him 24 chapters to get to him actually to the point that he understands. What I bring out is this. You may be in the process of the suffering. But it's only at the very end of Job that we, does Job actually, does it dawn on him what all is happening. I don't know what your favorite movie is or a movie that you've seen recently, but imagine about mm, halfway through, you just stopped. There's no resolution that the main protagonists or characters, they're pretty much in a difficult situation. Sometimes we look at our own lives and think, you know what, it's never going to get better. And that is a lie from the devil. And the reason I say is this, it's not going to get better. You may be continue to get persecuted. Things may con continue to be different. But the God of the universe can do and does things in our lives. Once again, sometimes it's just our attitude needs to be changed for that person. Our circumstances may not change, but our attitudes can. And we know that God also is a God of justice. Okay, um, time is quickly going, so let me go ahead and do the next one. Um, we need to be trustworthy in speech. Basically, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Um, that be a man or woman um, who's consistent, dependable, and reliable. That's easy enough. F, whatever language, whatever number that is, um, we are going to be prayerful in all things. And this section right here is that it talks about three specific life problems. And in the midst of these life problems, the answer is prayer. The first one, it says, when you're hurting, um, it says, is any of you, if any among you in trouble, the Greek word there means trouble or hurting or suffering. Um, what that means basically is this, is that it is internal stre stress caused by um, an outward circumstance. So whether it's a physical, spiritual, emotional, financial, that's what this word encompasses, all of that. So whenever you are hurting, our first reaction should be, go to God. Talk to him. He already knows what is happening. There's a hymn, an old hymn, that Jez knows and probably no one else does. But it says this, Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. 
all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged, but take it to the Lord in prayer. I grew up singing that song. But I gotta confess, sometimes I don't do that. I sing about it on Sunday and Sunday afternoon. I done forgot what I said. And then the later on during the week, I'm not thinking, take it to the Lord in prayer. You know why? Because I'm gonna fix it on my own. Now, God, now I'm only gonna give you the big things. These small things, I'm gonna take care of. Now, in case you're wondering, the original Greek it doesn't have that. It says everything. No matter how small it is, how big it is, our thing should go to prayer. Second of all, here in this passage, it says we should go to God in prayer when we are happy or joyful. How often do we kind of forget about God when things are good? When things are good and joyful, we say, God, thank you. I am blessed beyond measure. Thank you for what you are doing. You know what? I don't know if you're in charge of this. I, I'm, God's in charge of everything. I don't know directly if he's blessing me or you're allowing the blessings. But until someone tells me different, I'm going to praise God and give him the credit for it. And the last thing here, it says, pray when you are sick. The idea is here, it says, talking about calling the elders. There's discussion, is that elders as far as just like the three elders that are here? Or is that any man or woman who are actually has strong faith? We need to realize, it talks about calling the elders because usually the person's bedridden, and so you just have um, some of the church leaders come. But it's up to each and every one of us as the church to encourage each other and to help each other. Um, the one thing I want to bring on this is this. It talks about, a, it says, i got to go find my, it says, um, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And then it goes on to talk about Elijah. Now, Elijah is one of those big heroes from the Old Testament. I don't know if you look at those people in the Old Testament, you're like, oh, Lord, if I only had the faith of so-and-so. Oh, they did incredible things. Um, Elijah was one of, those, one of those big big hitters, as we would say. Um, in 1 Kings 17 and 18, and 18, he went 450 prophets against 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of Asherah, and he won. Basically, he says, we're going to have a little fight real quick. You call upon your God, which, and I'll call upon my God, and whichever God answers by fire, that is God. And he even stacked the deck against him by pouring three troughs full of water on his sacrifice. I mean, this was a man of God. I mean, if only I could be like him. But the thing here, according to the scripture, you are like him. You have the same ability that he is. Now, I'm not saying, uh, the thing is that he only did what God told him to do. He didn't think, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to build this altar. I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to ask God to bless it. No, he did what God asked him to do. You had the same power as well. That you, he prayed it wouldn't rain, and it rained for three and a half years. You can pray, and things can happen. Strongholds can be knocked down, because it's not about you. It's about who you know. You know what? Often we hear that. It's not what you know, it's who you know. Same thing here. It's not what you know about God. It's if you know him and if he knows you through Jesus Christ. You know what? I could keep going there, but I'm not going to. So we're going to go ahead and hit our last one, I think it is. 
Um, love, yep, this is the last one, is that loving towards sinners. Um, and so what happens here is it talks about people who are wondering. We here at Second City believe is that once you become a child of God, that you are a child of God. This right here, as far as the different commentators, majority of commentators say that this is people who are, um, who are in the church um, but never actually have made a decision for Christ. Um, the purpose of the church is um, for us to encourage each other, for us to be a place that we can help each other grow, that whenever we fall, and all of us will fall, we'll make mistakes, or we just have those bad days, that we can support each other. The idea behind the missional communities as well is this, is that we, um, throughout the week, are meeting, that we're eating, um, and we're sharing about what's happening, we're praying together, and that we are um, having some pastoral ministry too, to encourage each other as well. My time is up, unfortunately. But as I close, let me go ahead and say this, that faith works. Faith of works is works is a faith that we know that we have our faith is only through Jesus Christ. It's not about what I've done. I can never be good enough for God to accept me. But once again, as I said before, that Jesus Christ died, paid the penalty of my sin, and provides a way to God the Father through Jesus Christ. That this idea of faith is played out in the context of the body. That's why it's so important for us to be connected to the body of Christ. Not for us to tell you what to do, not do, but to draw you into the scripture and to encourage each other. And lastly, the idea behind faith that works is that ultimately that we are here for the glory of God that we should live in such a radical way that people around us are thinking, you know what? I know that girl's from Colorado, but there's something different about her. I know that person's from this area, but they seem to have a peace that I don't. They seem to have an assurance that when they die, they're going to heaven. They seem to know that's not about outward what they do outwardly, but it's an internal change. That that person is so messed up, but they still are able to love themselves because they know that there's a God that loves them and that is changing each and every one of us. So my prayer for all of us is that we'll be salt and light. So you may be a Christian here. You may not be a Christian here. You may be somewhere... You may be searching different things. My hope is this. If you have questions, come talk to me. Come talk to Jess. You can also talk to people at your, your, your table as well. Continue to seek after God because he is seeking after you. And remember, faith um, is not a passive thing, but it's something that is active. Okay, well, let's stop there. Um, I'm going to go ahead and close this in prayer, and then we're going to have some questions up here as well. Father God, we thank you for um, who you are. We thank you for your great love for us. Lord, I pray that you will help us to not only know more about you, but to experience you as well. Um, and I assist the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.